everybody, and welcome back to I Just Want to Talk About the Bible. If this is your first time joining us, let me just extend to you a warm welcome and say that I'm glad you are here with us. Um, my name is Christian Keeter, and I live on the east coast of the U.S. with my beautiful wife and two wonderful daughters. And I am on staff at an international discipleship ministry called Mentoring Men for the Master. Now, this is going to be the second part of a conversation that we started in the previous episode uh, on meditating on the Word of God. And so if you have not listened to that message yet or that podcast yet, I would encourage you to pause this one and to go back to that one and listen to it first because I'm going to be building off some of the things that I've said in that episode. And furthermore, if you skip that part of the process when it comes to this topic of meditating on the Word of God, then we miss everything because the previous episode was all about um, depending upon the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to enlighten the eyes of our hearts, to take the scriptures and make them real to us. And that is one of the biggest and most important components to what it means to meditate on the Bible. It is to come to the Lord and to pray and to ask him and say, please enlighten the eyes of my heart. Help me to, help me to see. Um, in Psalm 119, 18, uh, the psalmist prays, uh, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. He says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And so beginning with prayer, beginning with asking God to do this is so important. It's a big role of the Holy Spirit pray, uh, plays in our life. And so we can't skip that step. We can't skip that step of coming to the Lord and praying and just saying, please make your word real to me. However, I want to now get into more of the mechanics of what it looks like to actually meditate on the word of God. So suppose you're sitting down with your Bible and you're, you're, you've sat there and you've prayed and you've asked the Lord to speak to your heart and you open your Bible and you start reading wherever you may be reading. And you want to say, okay, um, I, I want to put myself in a position to hear from the Lord. How, what are some practical things I can do to meditate on the word of God? We're going to take at least a couple of episodes talking about some tools that will help you in doing this. That will help you in doing this. And so this first tool is one that you're probably already familiar with and may have even dabbled with some yourself, and it's what we call word studies. A word study. So what is a word study? A word study is, as the name would imply, when you study a specific word. So as you are reading the scriptures, you're reading through a passage, one thing that's important to do is to identify key words in the passage. You identify just important words. You can just tell by reading them. Obviously, the word the is not typically what you would consider to be a key word. Although, hey, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. Every word in the Bible is there. It's intentional. It says all scripture is God-breathed. But when I say key words, it's like, okay, what are the, what are the big words in this sentence, in this verse, that help unlock its meaning? So you identify those. And I'm going to and we're going to go through an example of all this in a minute. So um, just bear with me. And once you identify those, in order to understand what the passage is saying, you need to understand what that word means. I mean, this, this makes sense. In fact, this is so basic that it's probably intuitive, which is why are you even saying this to me right now, right? But, it's, but this is very important. And learning how to do good word studies will really help enrich your Bible study. So I... Um, let me open up to 
Psalm chapter 1, just as an example here uh, for what we're discussing. Uh, The reason why I chose Psalm 1 is because Psalm 1 actually talks about meditating on the Word of God. And so it's a good example. Um, It is a good example of one to look at. So I'm just going to read the first three verses. Psalm 1 is six verses long, but I'm just going to read the first three verses here and kind of take us on an example on a journey of of what a word study is like. So Psalm 1, 1 through 3 reads as follows. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And the psalm continues, but let's let's just stop there for now. So as you listen to those verses, and especially if you have the, the scripture open in front of you right now, you can see there are just certain words that pop. So the very first word in the entire psalm is one of those, blessed or blessed. It's like, wow, okay, that is an important word. What does that mean? Uh, you can keep going through it. Getting down in verse 2, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And so, okay, well, what is delight? Um, What is the law of the Lord? And then he goes, and on his law, he meditates day and night. And so you can see that there are lots of words here and, and even phrases that just kind of stand out and they pop. And so I want to focus in, as an example, on the word meditate today. So verse 2 again says this, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And then it says in verse 3 what that kind of person is like. The person who meditates on the law of God day and night is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So uh, verse three is a result for the one who meditates on the law of God day and night. And so you can just see, we read that and we're like, okay, I want verse three to be true of me. If we want it to be true of us, then we need to understand what it means to meditate day and night, because that is what is blessed. You see, it says, blessed is the man. And then it says, who doesn't do these things, but who meditates on the law of the Lord. And so that rises to the top. And as, as an example of a key word, a very important word. Now it's not the only key word obviously, but it's very, very important in unlocking the meaning of this this passage. And so as you begin to grow in this skill, reading the scriptures, you just begin to notice, okay, this is an important word. This is an important word. And to understand what the author is saying here, I'm going to need to know what this word means. And so now that I've kind of set that up as an example that we can uh, go through, let me give you a couple of examples of how to do a word study. So first, um, we need to know the definition of the word, what the word means. Now, let me go ahead and say, um, if you were to go and get an English dictionary and look up the English word meditate, um, that might be somewhat helpful. It might be a little helpful, but I will say that's not the best way to do a word study. If you're going to do a word study, you're going to need to get into the original language that it was written in. Now, before you start feeling overwhelmed, that does not mean that you need to speak 
the original language. It doesn't even mean that you have to be conversational or con- conversational or even remotely fluent in the original languages of the scriptures because there are wonderful tools out there that can help you to do this. And I'll share some of those with you during this episode. But, you know, it, it's just very important to say, okay, this the, the Bible was originally written in not not English, surprise. <laughs> the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, uh, with some sections in Aramaic, and Aramaic is kind of like a, a relative language to, to Hebrew. And then the New Testament, that was the Old Testament, Hebrew and Aramaic, and then the New Testament is written in Greek. In Greek. And so, like I said, there's resources online, free resources, won't cost you a penny. All you got to do is know about them and learn how to navigate the website, who will, or which will totally help you to do this. So example, with the word meditate, if you were to go get an English dictionary and look up the word meditate, it might give you some good food for thought. It might help expand the definition a little bit. And the people who translated the Bible from the original language, languages into whatever language you're reading it in, presumably English for, for, for this audience, um, they are very skilled. They're, you know, very studied. They're scholars. And so when they chose, when they choose the words that are in our English Bibles, like they, they deliberately chose the the corresponding English word to the best of their ability. However, it is still just very important to get into the language of the original authors and to begin to look up the definitions of those words. So let's talk about example. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, it says the word meditate here. So I am online right now. I've got my computer opened up at what's called blueletterbible.org blueletterbible.org, and I will put that uh, link in the show notes, and so you can copy and paste it, go check it out, and I recommend for uh, that you will just spend some time exploring the website, getting used to the tool, because this is a tool that I use very frequently. Um, anytime I'm doing a word study, I'm typically on Blue Letter Bible. They've got a great app for the phone as well, very useful, super easy to navigate. So on Blue Letter Bible, I you can select your English translation of choice, whichever one you like. Um, I'm using the ESV right now. And you just type in the verse you go to. So I typed in Psalm chapter 1. I'm down in verse 2, and I clicked on the word meditate. Now, med, the English word meditate is a translation of a Hebrew word that's pronounced Hagah. Hagah. So if you want to, you can go ahead and say Hagah, and then you can say to your friends later, I, I learned Hebrew today. Um, <laughs> so haga. Now, when you're studying a, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're studying a word, there are a few things to consider. When you click on a word in Blue Letter Bible, one thing that it'll do is it will give you an outline of how that word is used in the Bible, and that's kind of like a definition. So, for example, with the word um, meditate. It says some examples are of, of how this word is translated into English are to moan, to growl, to utter, to muse, to mutter, to meditate, devise, plot, speak, um, imagine. And so you see we kind of have a, a strange wide array of, um, of meanings here. And so this is, this is where we have to be careful. Because just like in English, a what a word means can vary depending on its context a little bit. 
Okay, the, a word can absolutely vary a little bit, meaning on its context, uh, depending on its context, and we use words figuratively all the time, and so we just have to be very diligent um, to see. Okay, what what exactly? Like, I have the basic idea of what this word means ba out of this definition here, but what does it mean in this passage? How is it being used here? So, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about in English. I'm going to use an example from that I heard. This is not original with me, but it was so good that I thought, why reinvent the wheel? Um, Bible scholar uh, Michael Heiser used this example uh, one time when having a similar conversation, and, and I thought it was very, very good. So he uses the example of the English word run, R-U-N, run. So if I were to say to you, well, what is the definition of run? You might say, well, it's kind of like walking except faster it's you know it's a form of exercise where you're yeah it's kind of it's actually kind of hard to describe when you're put on the spot but you get the idea it's it's you go outside and you go for a run right but let me give you an example of when run does not mean that if i were about to say if i said hey i i'm recording this podcast on my phone right now which is true and i said my battery is about to run out what on earth does that mean is my battery about to go outside and go for a jog? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, another example is like if you're painting the wall and you have one drop of paint that goes down, that's called a run. You know, or how about this? Uh, I'm recording this on November 3rd, so election day. We have two people running for president. You see, they're not, they're not, they're not running physically. You, you see, so we, we realize that these, this word, this one sane word, Run can have a lot of different definitions depending on the context. And we are able to understand what a word means instantly in conversation because we've heard the context around it. And so this is important when it comes to word studies in the Bible. So let's use an example here. One of the, um, one of the meanings of to meditate here, or not, I'm sorry, not of to meditate, but of the Hebrew word Hagah, which is frequently translated meditate, is to growl. If, if, if this word was, say, used of an animal, like an animal Hagad, it's like, okay, this animal is growling. And so, but look at this context. Um, but his delight, we're back in Psalm 1-2, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he growls day and night. That's kind of weird. Huh. You know, see, we can't, we have to be careful. So even when we're studying the original Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek word, and we are doing a word study on that, we still have to be careful to realize that the definitions that we're offered is a, is, is, is not a definition per se, but it's just an outline of how the Bible uses that word and how it's translated. And so I'm hoping that this makes sense. I'm trying to keep it really, really simple. So in order to understand the definition of a word, you, you need not only to know the dictionary definition, which is very helpful, but you need to know the context. You have to look at, okay, let me look at the sentence that it's in, in the paragraph that it's in, and what, what makes sense here? What makes sense here? So let me actually, you know, while I'm doing this, um, flip to another passage that uses the same word, and uh, and and share with you something that's that I that I found kind of cool that just expanded my understanding of what Hagah meant. So in Joshua chapter one verse eight, it is a verse that is very similar actually to Psalm one. Um, 
This is what it says. The Lord is speaking to Joshua, although there is absolutely application for each of us today. But God says this. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. You shall hagah on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. If you look at those two passages next to each other, you see there is a ton of overlap in um, the concepts in there. They're clearly connected. There's the, at least conceptually connected. So, but this is kind of cool. So we're just looking at the word Haggah and we said, okay, well, the definition of a word is going to be determined by its context. And so we, we looked at these examples. The definition, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the outline of the way the Bible uses the word Haggah is ways like to moan, to growl, to utter, to muse, to mutter, to meditate, to devise, to plot, to speak. And so you see just from those examples, this can be something external, like actually making a noise and speaking. Or it can be something internal, like where it says to plot to devise, to meditate, to muse, to imagine. Those are all possible definite or possible ways that the word haga could be translated. And so you you realize okay, well, obviously in this context, he's talking about meditating on it, um musing or pondering it, uh thinking about the word of God day and night. That's obviously the definition that would fit this context. And I know, let me just pause here and say, I know that this feels like a little laborious, but there's a huge payout and we're going to, or a huge payoff at the end. And and we'll, and I'll, I'll show you what I mean in a minute, but there's something else that's cool here that I just personally learned the other day. One of the ways that the word Haggah is translated is to, to mutter or to speak kind of, kind of like talking to yourself a little bit. And if you read the Joshua one passage, it says, uh, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall haga on it day and night. And so that just kind of made sense to me where I was like, oh, this word, since it can also mean mutter or whisper, that makes sense why he said it shall not depart from your mouth. And so then you begin to realize, oh, the idea for Joshua here in this Joshua one eight passage is it's he's thinking the the idea being communicated is he's thinking about the word of god so much it is so on his mind that he's literally walking around muttering it to himself whispering it to himself he's so perpetually thinking about the word of god and so now it's in the same we can go back to psalm 1 and say okay yeah so the the idea is for the person who is blessed is going to be the person who's so saturated with and consumed by the word of god who's just thinking about the word of god so much that he's literally whispering it to him or herself and so that is the first step in a word study. The first step in a word study is to find a resource where you can look at the original word and see how it is used in the Bible. So now the the second and very closely related step that's really helpful in understanding what a word means is, is basically the same thing, but it's kind of taken a bit more broadly here. And this is what I mean. You look at the word, say, Haggah, and then on Blue Letter Bible, again, the resource that I'm using, it'll give you a list of everywhere else in the Bible that that verse is used. Everywhere else. And that is very, very helpful because you can say, oh, so you can kind of go through a list yourself and and the list yourself and see how it's used. Um, Joshua 1.8 is the first place that Haggah is used. And I'm just looking at the list right now. Um, then Psalm 1, there's other verses as well. And 
In Psalm 2, it's the, the word is translated as plot. They're thinking internally something. And so you see, okay, I'm beginning to get a bigger idea of what this means. And so as you look throughout the scriptures and you see how the scriptures as a whole will use this word, it kind of fills out the idea of, okay, this is how this word is used. Um, and this is how, obviously, context is going to determine the exact meaning, so we can never forsake context. Um, and, and as a side note, we will spend an entire episode talking about um, context when it comes to meditating on the word of God. Very important. So so that, so the first step um, doing of doing a word study is to look up how it's used in the Bible. Um, and then the second step, and the first step is like looking up a definition of it. And the second step is looking how it is used throughout the scriptures. And so now this is an important part of the second step. Let me, let me flip over here to Psalm 88. Psalm 88 real quick. I'm flipping there. I'm trying to flip my pages quietly because for whatever reason, whenever I'm flipping the pages of the Bible, this microphone picks it up really loud and it sounds like I'm just crumpling up a ton of paper and it's hard to hear me. So that's why it's taking so long. Psalm 77. Here we are. So this is a good opportunity to tell you guys about something called parallelism. So parallelism is something that happens pretty frequently in the poetry of the Bible. Now, maybe we'll talk about this in a later episode, but the Bible has different genres of literature in it. For example, it has narrative, and a narrative is when it's telling a story about something that's happening. A narrative is, when we think about the Bible, narrative is what typically comes to mind. We think, oh, Daniel in the lion's den, that's, that's a narrative. We think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, that's a narrative. You think about, um, I mean, even Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac, that's a narrative. You know, Moses and the Ten Commandments, that's a narrative. You know, so, or, or a lot of it's a narrative. So that's one, one part of it. Another part is discourse or prose, and that's just conversation or speaking. It's when someone's speaking. And then the a third big genre in the Bible is poetry. Now, English Bibles actually format it differently when we're looking at poetry. So if you flip to the Psalms, you'll see, wow, this looks different than other parts of the Bible. It's broken into um, different, the paragraphs look different. It's written in a poetic looking form. And so one thing that's common in Hebrew poetry um, which is very, a lot of Hebrew poetry in the Psalms um, is what's called parallelism, which, which is this. This is what parallelism is. It is when you say the same thing with two different, in two different ways. You say the same thing in two different ways. And so let me give you an example of this from Psalm 77, because this is really important when it comes to doing word studies. Psalm 77, verse 12 says, I will ponder all your work, and meditate on your mighty deeds. Okay? So listen, that's there's there's two two clauses there. I will ponder all your work. Okay, that's the first one. And the second one is and meditate on your mighty deeds. Now, this is an example of parallelism because both of those clauses are saying pretty much the same thing, but they're using different words. So look at this. I will ponder all your work. Ponder is connected to the word meditate and meditate on your mighty deeds. And work is connected to mighty deeds. It's easier to see if you have it out in front of you. But you'll see, oh yeah, those words connect. Ponder and meditate connect and work and mighty deeds connect. So what does this have to do with word studies and meditating on the scriptures? Well, I'm glad you asked. It is this. 
This will help us to understand what a word means. Because what the author is doing there is he's taking that, he's giving us a synonym. Do you see what I mean? He's giving us a synonym of a word since he's repeating the same thing twice. And so in this example, ponder is a synonym of meditate. Do you see what I mean? Ponder is a synonym of meditate. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. And so you're beginning to see, it's like, okay, once you have looked up the definition of a word, and then that's the first step, then you've looked at how a word is used throughout the scripture and seen seen kind of how the word has been translated in other places. And then you look for examples of parallelism, perhaps, where you can see, oh, uh, this this word is a synonym of this other word. When you begin doing that, you will um, really begin to have a much fuller picture of what a word means, of what a, of what a word really means. So this um, this is again, as I said earlier, probably sounds really laborious at first. Um, let me encourage you by saying: the more you do it, the faster it gets. You really do kind of develop the skills and you come to identify what are key words, what are key phrases, and to be able to just kind of figure things out. These are these are skills that you're going to grow in. But is this so important? Because here, let's go, you know, I keep going back to Psalm 1. Originally, it was an example, but Psalm 1 is kind of just teaching this whole lesson. So it says that, just for example, with Psalm 1, it says that the person who meditates on the law day and night will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that that person does, they prosper. And so we're like, yeah, I want that to happen. If we want that to happen, and the prerequisite is meditating on the law of God day and night. So we actually have to know what it means to meditate on it. And so you see, to Doing a word study, yeah, it's some work, but it's important because if we want to be able to know what the word of God says and then to really do it, then we have to understand what it's saying. To ab- to apply it and obey it, we have to understand what it's saying. And that's why we're meditating on the scriptures. That is why it's never just to gain more intellectual knowledge. That's that's not good. That just makes us smarter sinners. That's not what we need. Um we want to understand the Bible so that we can obey it. And we want to obey the Bible because we love Jesus and we want to know Jesus more. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my commands. That is not saying, oh, you better keep my commands or you don't love me. No, no. One of the true signs of a Christian is that we want to know the Lord more, that we love him, that we want to obey him. Because listen, guys, as we meditate on the word of God, we will come to know Jesus more. That's just a fact. That's just how it works. In fact, um, our responsibility is to meditate on the word of God day and night. And then as we do, the Holy Spirit will take those scriptures, like I talked about in the previous lesson, and make those real to us. And so it's very important to keep that in view, that the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to understand it so that I can obey it, because I love Jesus and I want to know him more. And I want the Holy Spirit to take these Bible verses and make them real to me. Now, we've all had that experience where we're reading the Bible and it's just dry and we don't feel like we're getting anything out of it and we're like, why am I doing this? And I want to tell you that this is the solution to that. So often we're worried about quantity of, did I read a chapter in the Bible today? Did I read enough in it? Or really, it would do us well if we could just say, you know what? I 
I'm just going to take a small section and think about it all day long. And I'm going to talk to God about it all day long. If we would do that, we would be so much better off than reading chapters upon chapters that we don't remember, if we're being real. And I I think we should talk about this sort of thing because I think that there's a lot of uh, us in the body of Christ who are discouraged and confused and we look at other people and they seem to have a vibrant relationship with the Lord where they just love the word of God and and we feel like we're the odd ones out and something's wrong with us. And that's just not true. I think we just need to start being honest with one another. And this is one of the big ways of addressing that. One of the big ways of, of, you know, getting spiritual vigor and excitement and getting a lot out of the word of God and hearing God speak to us is learning how to effectively meditate on the word of God. To meditate on the word of God. Let me give you a, um, let me read to you out of James chapter one really quickly, because this doesn't use the word meditate. Well, for one, this is in the New Testament, so it's written in Greek, whereas Haggai is a Hebrew word from the Old Testament. And so, of course, it won't have Haggai in it. But this is a, um, it's a pretty popular passage of scripture, but it gives us a description of what it means to meditate on the word of God. Listen, listen to this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. This is describing the person who meditates on the the word of God day and night. Because look at, look at what this says. It says that if we are hearers only, we deceive ourselves. Many times I think that we feel like we've had a successful time with the Lord if we've just gotten something from our Bible, gotten something, or we feel like we've heard from the Lord. And those are wonderful things. Please do not misunderstand me. Those are great. But if all we've done is heard and not obeyed, then we're actually deceiving ourselves. Then we, we've deceived ourselves into thinking that we're doing better than we are. Because James says here, if you're hearers only, you've deceived yourself. You gotta do it, you gotta obey it, you gotta apply it. You can't stop short of application. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, this is like a person who looks at their face in the mirror, which is good, go look in the mirror, see if you've got anything on your face, but then that person walks away and at once forgets what they saw, which I can relate to that. There have been times where I've read the Bible and I've gotten up and if you would ask me, what did you just read? I would say, the Bible, but I wouldn't remember the specifics. I mean, we've, we've done that, you know? And so it's like a person who looks at, but then forgets what they see. It says, for that person looks at themselves and goes away and at once forgets what they're like. But then listen to this, it turns a corner. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, meaning they don't just look and then walk away and forget, but they look and they pay attention to what they see and they act on what they see. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so this this thing of meditating on the word of God, and I'm not trying to reteach last week's sermon, but I just want to keep us focused, and I don't want this to become an intellectual exercise. This thing of meditating on the word of God is for the purpose of, of hearing from God and then obeying, and then obeying. So coming back and just summarizing what we've looked at, when you want to meditate on the word of God, one of the things that is beneficial to do is a word study. So in order to do a word study, these are the steps, uh, or these are, these are the steps that I personally follow, and, uh, and it's been very helpful to me. 
First step, identify the key words in the passage. Second step, you will look up the definition of those words um, with a resource like blueletterbible.org. Again, I'll put that in the show notes. Third step, you look at how that word is used throughout the rest of the Bible, where that word appears and how it's translated in other places. And then fourth, fourth step, you pay attention to things like parallelism, like I said earlier, where it's like, okay, are there any clues in the, are there any clues in the, um, in some of these verses as to what this means? And then fifth step, you're going to come back and you're going to look at that word again with the, um, with all this knowledge that you've gained to this point, and you're not just going to plug in whichever definition you like. You're going to look at the context and say, no, which definition, which word makes the most sense based on the context of this sentence, of this verse, of this paragraph. And then the sixth step, you're going to think about it day and night. You're going to keep thinking about what you've seen, what you've learned, and praying through it. And then final step, you're going to do it. You're going to obey it. So those are the seven steps. And I, I, I of course, wanted to make it seven because seven is such a wonderfully biblical number. <laughs> but, and I'll write those out in the show notes just so that you can look at them. And, and again, I, in, in explaining this and getting into the mechanics of it, I don't mean to complicate it. What I mean to do is to give someone a tool who's looking to take their Bible study to the next level. That's what I'm trying to help do in this episode. So if you've heard this episode and you've thought, um, I already knew all that, uh, then that's fine. Carry on. Um, if you heard all this and said, wow, that's just kind of overwhelming, then hey, don't get overwhelmed. Just just read your Bible and um, and pray through it and, and pay attention to the words that are being used and ask God to open your eyes. But I know that there are some out there who are listening who are, who are in the place where they want this and they want to hear this and they're looking for tools to take the Bible to the next level. So, um, that's what I wanted to do. I hope this is helpful. As always, if you have any questions or comments or need clarification on anything, feel free to email me at I just want to talk about at gmail.com. I'll be sure to put that in the show notes as well. And until next time, I hope you guys have a great day and week. All right, God bless you.